In this week's update, go where the profits are. Finally, some decent US market breadth and plenty of contrarian opportunities waiting. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Let's start with the market perspective because it was an excellent finish to the week. And I would imagine that the Australian market will probably open in pretty positive sentiment on Monday morning. Let's take a, a bigger picture look at what's going on, uh, which is always important to set the foundations for what you're doing. 2022 was, was a pretty poor year, uh, except for energy and for a period of time uh, for lithium. Uh, everything else you know, pretty much dragged the chain. Um, history shows over a long period of time that the following year after a a down year is generally far better and it's generally positive. Not every single time, but generally that is the case. So we can certainly look forward to um, 2023 being um, being a positive year. And so far, that is that is the case. That's the way that it's pointing, particularly in the US. So are the US market index rises, are they justified? Um, there's just so many problems and issues out there, so many headwinds for the market that everybody knows about, that um, it's very easy and very logical to come to the conclusion that the market can't possibly go up, but the fact that it is. But let's actually have a look at some of the facts rather than the emotional media reporting. Quarterly earnings and the outlooks have generally beaten expectations. Now, there is an argument that says that expectations were unrealistically low, and so, of, of course, you're going to beat them. But nevertheless, the, um, the earnings came in better than expected at, um, at a pretty good level. But it really was the outlook statements that was certainly more positive than, um, than what the market was expecting that is helping. The gains were very narrowly based. And I've been commenting on that for, for many, many weeks. But Friday saw a dramatic shift. And OK, it's only one session, but is that now changing? Because it was such a dramatic shift, as you'll see. To me, the, the way to deal with an uncertain market, a market that is being driven by small sections only, it's, this is not a broad-based rally by any stretch of the imagination, then you want to own companies that have got basically unbreakable tailwinds doesn't matter what central banks do with interest rates. It doesn't matter what happens with China. You know, it doesn't matter what happens with Russia um, or inflation. They're companies that have got tailwinds that are going to be able to keep growing their earnings. And also, they've got to be able to raise prices in an inflationary environment. And so the companies that have got those earnings tailwinds and have the ability to raise prices and not lose business, you know, that's that's what you're after. There aren't a lot of them out there in percentage terms, but they certainly are out there. Now, it's a very simple concept, but it's not easy to do because we've got a lot of market noise around us and we've got a lot of internal noise in our own heads telling us that, you know, logic would have us do something different. So it's not easy, but it is simple. And those companies do exist. And with, you know, with a lot of hard work, you can find them. The bottom line is this, in my view, we must go where the potential and also highly likely. So lots of companies 
have got enormous potential. You know, you look in the mining space, there's hundreds of companies that have got fabulous potential that you can get excited about. There are so many new technologies that have got incredible potential that you can get excited about. But in Portfolio Analyst, I've been analysing those companies that members have asked questions about since 2017. And I would say that at least 80% of them have gone backwards and have gone considerably backwards, despite the fact that they've just got an incredible story that looks like an absolute no-brainer. And yet you look at the share price two years later and it's down 90%. So there's lots of companies with lots of potential, but it's got to be also highly likely to be realized. And when you've got that combination and it dwarfs the downside risk, so the company is not expensive at this point in time, then you're on a winner. And and that's what you're after. And that's what I'm I'm constantly looking for and accumulating. The risks are always going to be there. There's always going to be, you know, recessions, inflation, China, wars, you know, whatever, commodity price manipulation. The risks are always going to be there. But despite what a lot of people might think, and it's easy to slip into a victim mentality, we can control most things in the market. We can control what we buy, how we buy it, how much we buy of it, how we take profit, etc., etc. Um, there are not that many things that we can't control. So just focus on those ones. And you've heard me say that many times. Now, right now, there's quite a few contrarian opportunities. Um, they're very much in the mining and battery materials space because of some short to medium term headwinds. But certainly they're there. Copper and graphite offer enormous contrarian opportunities at this point in time. Rare earths, definitely the timing makes it harder because China is is out there uh, manipulating the, the price to try and ward off the competition so that they can retain control of the supply chain. Um, so th that one is a little less clear to me in terms of when we might see a rebound in rare earth prices, but it's going to happen. Oil and gas um, is also, I think, got a long-term uh, tremendous outlook because of just years and decades of underinvestment. But again, timing, timing that one is a, is a bit of an issue. And mining services. You know, with all the mining that's going on and has to continue to go on for the rest of this decade, mining services companies are, are doing well. They're doing well now, but, but the market's not interested. Terrific contrarian opportunity in that area. All right, let's look at um, the American stocks. The S&P was up 1.8% for the week and a very powerful finish uh, to the week, as you'll see. It's essentially an AI-inspired rally since NVIDIA came out with their um, their results a couple of weeks ago. Uh, AI has just gone absolutely ballistic and any um, any company that um, that is in that space has been um, has been pushed up. So that certainly led the rally, but it's it's starting to drag the sentiment for the rest of the market up as well. But one of the things I've been talking about for weeks now is the lack of breadth, the fact that you know, 10 stocks were basically driving the market and all the rest were going down. Well, Friday night um, in Australia, so the, the Friday US session saw a, a huge um, surge in uh, in small caps. And it, and it wasn't just um, 
it wasn't just profitable companies. I mean, Kathy Wood's ARC funds uh, were all up uh, into the end of the week as well. So the money is really percolating throughout all areas of, um, of the small cap space. And, and that is different. You know, one of the things you want to look for when trying to identify turning points in the market is when something occurs that you wouldn't expect expect to happen. It, it's going against, it's a positive price surge going against the negative news. And that often marks significant turning points in the market. And Friday night could have been it. US dollar uh, slipped uh, a little bit, uh, 104.04. Um, the 10-year yield was higher during the week, but ended up down at 3.7 uh, to finish. The VIX is down to 14.6, which is the lowest level in three years. So the market really is starting to get um, pretty comfortable with things. But the 10-year, two-year spread widened again. It's now negative 0.81, which makes it you know, virtually a no-brainer that the U.S. is going to enter a recession. Um, we've never been this negative for this long and not had a, a recession in uh, in the U.S. So that's uh, that's almost a given. So let's go and look at some charts. So this is the S and P. You can see Thursday and Friday were very good sessions, especially Friday. Um, very strong, closed almost on its highs. So that is. The S&P. Now that is dominated by six to ten mammoth stocks. You know that the Googles and the and the Amazons and the Apples and Meta and those sort of stocks. And you can see that all the moving averages, short term and longer term, are now all pointing up, and the price, well, the index is significantly above all of them. So all the orientation is to the upside. But let's look at another ETF, <coughs> which is. So this, this chart is market cap weighted. So the biggest stocks are having the biggest effect on that index. But there are also um, equal weight uh, ETFs in America, which basically weights all 500 companies by the same amount. So a small co- the, the 499th company in the S&P has the same impact as the number one company in the S&P. So you can see the equal weight has been underperforming significantly, which is what you'd expect to see. So all the moving averages are basically just grinding sideways and the price was up until Friday was actually below them. So we had, um, you know, we had most of the companies were actually heading down. But look at Friday, a huge turnaround on big volume and we broke this downtrend line. Now, none of these things in isolation are aha moments. You know, you can't look at one chart and say, okay, that's it. That's the signal I've been looking for. But it's weight of evidence. And that, you know, that is a, a, key, uh, a key point in, um, in the weight of evidence to my way of thinking. Let's look at small caps. So let's look at IWM. So there's IWM doing nothing, moving averages just sideways, pretty somber price action until Friday. Bingo. Huge move, big gap up, large candle, closed on its highs, big volume. You know, we've got to go back to 
um, the sort of volumes that we saw when the, the index was actually sliding. So now let's look at um, let's look at some of the other key charts, the key spread charts. Where's the money going? Well, the Nasdaq versus the S&P turned down a little bit on Friday, but um, you know overall you can see that that's an incredibly powerful uh, outperformance by the Nasdaq. And we've been seeing that uh, ratio unfold now for months. Semiconductors versus the S&P, the same. Enormously powerful move in semiconductors. Maybe a bit overdone with stocks like NVIDIA um, and the like, but um, nevertheless, that's the outperformance. Now let's look at the relative comparison on a sector basis. And I, and I would note for those of you that, that sort of get caught up in these um, you know, these sayings, sell in May, go away. It was all over the media in the end of April and, uh, and the start of May. But, um, you know, May so far has been uh, has been pretty good in the US. Um, so this is over the last quarter. So technology at the top, then communication services, then discretionary. So they're the, they're the aggressive sectors. They're all pointing up and they are the leaders. All sectors have turned up in the last uh, the last few weeks. So that's that's one observation from the chart. But it's the fact that it's the aggressive sectors of the market that have been getting the money flows. Let's zero in uh, just a little and have a look at the last month to see if there's anything different there. No change in the order, um, except that the moves really have been uh, very, very powerful in uh, in the last month. So that's the um, that's where the money flows are going. So it's it's all positive, except for the breadth. And Friday night may have just been the turning point for that breadth. So um, pretty um, pretty exciting times um, if that follows through. Right, um, I'll just have a quick look at the iron ore chart while I'm here before I go to the Australian data. So this is iron ore, which is obviously critically important for uh, XMJ, the materials sector in Australia, and it would appear that iron ore has um, has stabilised. Um, we've been in this area now just a tick under 100 to 110 since um, basically the end of uh, the end of April, so about six six weeks or so. So hopefully some stabilisation in the iron ore price. Turning now to Aussie stocks, our dollar 65.42 was lower than that. Our index was down 0.1% across the week, but you'd expect that that will probably kick up. But look, the, the ASX 200, and this is relevant if you've got your money managed in a fund, which is a broadly diversified fund, then the ASX 200 is at the same level as, as it was before the COVID crash in 2020. So that's three and a quarter years where a broadly based portfolio of stocks has done nothing. And I can tell you that there's been some uh, incredible returns during that time. But, you know, that's that's the reality. Now, the XEC, which is the Emerging Companies Index, which are cut, there are 200 companies ranked between 350th and 600th on the Australian market by market cap. Um, so they're not what you'd really call small caps or micro caps, 
but um, they're, they're still um, they're still well down the um, down the pecking order. But that was up nearly two percent for the weeks, and that sort of mirrors what I was just talking about with um, with America. Is our iron ore stabilising? Um, look, it's only six weeks or so. It's a bit hard, a bit early to say at this stage, but um, certainly at this stage, China, the way their economy is going, would appear as though they've got to introduce some sort of significant level of stimulus to get things going again. Um, their inflation is not a problem. They can they can do it from that perspective. So um, let's hope we see a resurgence in um, in iron ore demand from uh, from China. So let's go and look at a few of those charts. Um, I'll just look at the crude oil chart. I'll come back to this. So this is crude oil over the last, uh, well, this is the, the day. So 70, just 71.9. But let's look over the last month to see what, um, what crude oil has done. Uh, sorry, that's not changing for some reason. There we go. All right, there's, uh, there's crude oil over the last month. Uh, we, had, um, we had a low point of um, 68. Uh, we had a peak of, uh, of 74. So that's been the, the range. And we're, we're in the upper, upper portion of where crude oil has been over the, the, last, uh, the last month. Just before I go to Australia, we'll just check the currencies. There's the, um, the US dollar on a weekly chart. So it... Um, it's at the top of this range that it's been in now since, um, well, you've got to go back to December. So pretty much this is the range for 2023, and we're almost to the top of that range and, uh, and stalling. But the Australian dollar is, um, if anything, the Australian dollar is trending down. Okay, let's look at the ASX 200. So this is the level that I spoke about. So where we are right now. You can go back all the way back to the 7th of May, 2021. And then before that, the peak just before the COVID crash on, uh, on the 19th of February. So there's been a huge amount of up and down in the middle, but a broadly, broadly based portfolio has effectively done very, very little in that time. Precious metals, uh, gold was up uh, just a dollar to uh, 1948, so gold is under pressure in this environment. But uh, look, there's a lot of things that could flip that around um, fairly quickly. I think as soon as the Fed makes noises that they're going to pause or, or in fact cut rates, and, in, and if inflation hasn't come down, which is more than likely, then that's a pretty good environment for gold. <clears throat> Falling interest rates, but, um, but still high inflation. Now, on Friday night, the jobs report um, came in well above what was expected, about 320,000 jobs. Um, that was much higher than the market wanted. So the interpretation was more rate rises needed, which meant a higher US dollar, which equals equals. And I've been covering that now for a long time. So not a particularly positive uh, fundamental situation for gold. In Australian dollars, uh, with our dollar pushing up a bit and the gold price down, we're now down under 3,000 um, in Australian dollars. Precious metal stocks, pretty boring at the moment, reflecting the, the weakness in, um, in the metals market. So we'll take a look at gold. There's, <clears throat> there's gold on a weekly. 
Not a lot of change, only, only the $1 change for the week. And look, we're still getting higher highs and higher lows. I mean, let's be realistic here. It's disappointing to see gold back down in the, in the 1950s, but the trend on a weekly basis is, is still looking pretty good. And in half a dozen weeks' time, this, this could be um, looking significantly better. The daily chart, quite a good good gains um, throughout the week, but then all of that was pretty much lost on uh, on Friday night. And silver is um, is pretty much the same. It's not really going anywhere at the moment. Turning to other commodities, uh, copper was higher um, a little bit, 3.76. We got down to about 3.5. Nickel at 967 also kicked up a little bit. Copper stocks. Um, have been been hit hard the last uh, few months. The the falling copper price, fears about recession, you know, etc. etc. All those headwinds. But look, the out the long term outlook for copper, particularly if you go out to say late 2024, 2025, is incredibly powerful. And to me, that's just screaming a contrarian opportunity. Stocks out of favour. Um, some short-term issues, but long-term looks amazing and looks virtually almost certain the way that um, the way that things are developing in the battery material space. So you know, copper has got to be a real contrarian opportunity. Uh, crude oil seventy-one eighty-seven, as I showed, and one of the interesting things in that market is that stocks are just starting to show some resilience to the bad news. In, uh, in the oil space. So I think we're at a, quite probably at a turning point in, um, in the, the uh, crude stock prices as well. Let's just check in on lithium. It was another week of, uh, of positives. The um, benchmark minerals, um, lithium index on product prices, which is really a, a basket of, of prices, was up 17.4% for the week. So that's, um, that's a really nice gain. However, you know, you could argue that the prices were down so far that this is just a um, a bit of a relief rally. We'll have to wait and see. But certainly the fundamentals look look amazing. And corporate action remains buoyant. So the major players who, let's face it, will really know what's going on rather than, you know, some investment bank analyst or, or the media, um, they're putting billions and billions of dollars into corporate action um, so they're not going to be doing that unless they've got absolute confidence in um, in the dynamics of that market. So it's still all very positive for uh, for lithium, and we're now starting to see in the market that great projects, you know, the projects with the X factor, are increasingly being embraced, and, and we've seen some absolutely rocketing share prices in a few stocks. Now it might be you know two or three in in two hundred, so. This is not an environment yet where you can just go and buy any old lithium stock that you got a tip on, or you know some media analyst has has written a story about a particular stock. You still need to be incredibly discerning about the stocks that have got the X factor, and that X factor could be it could be the the resource, it could be the track record of management, you know it could be any one of a number of factors, but. They've got to have something that elevates them in the, in the mind of the market above their peers. Here's the copper chart. You can see quite a nice uh, rebound happening, but we've still got a long way to go. But the 
the expectation is that copper is going to be four fifty to five dollars within the next um, handful of years, um, and that the, because of the leverage effect that makes it outrageously profitable for um, for a lot of the emerging developers. There's a spot nickel chart, also a bit of a tick up. So wrapping it up, the ideal mindset to have in this sort of market that still has a lot of uncertainties, things that could go wrong, is to avoid the crowded trade. You know, a lot of people are jumping into what is already a crowded trade, and, and that's that's normal because there's been a lot of nervousness around now for um, for well over a year. When the markets are nervous, they look for more confirmation before they jump into certain stocks. You know, it's just human nature. And generally, you don't get that confidence until something has been running higher for quite some time. And so it's very easy to get drawn into the crowded trade. You want to avoid that. My belief is, and my practice has been, to seek contrarian opportunities where they're well and truly justified, where the outlook is virtually a given and um, and just go from there. We don't want to guess, we want to demand earning certainty either now or in the case of emerging um, companies that have got that X factor, then you want that earning certainty into the future. You want to see a pathway to, um, to producing positive earnings. Now, sometimes that means it could be in stocks that don't really represent value. And CSL is a great example. You know, it's been, it's one of Australia's best companies. It's one of the world's best companies, but it's never been cheap because it just is so good. And there are other companies out there like that. So you're never going to get them on the cheap, um, but they still are capable of producing a terrific return over the long term. And they're stocks that you can own for 10 or 20 years. So sometimes, you know, don't get caught too caught up if the if the stock ticks all the boxes, then sometimes you've just got to pay up for quality. Portfolio analysts last week, we did look at a, at a very compelling long-term opportunity that is along the lines of what I just spoke about. Um, and we also looked at quite a few development stocks. And the key message was that you've got to follow the chart more than the story. Uh, you know, out of, out of hundreds of stocks, in, um, in say the mining space, only a very small handful are gonna make it and are gonna make it big and all the rest are, are not. So the, the chart is the important thing. That's it for this week. More information on the website is my email address. Uh, I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.